You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators, and this is The Food Code. Hello and welcome to The Food Code. This is a long overdue podcast that I've been wanting to do with a friend of mine that I met a year ago, I think. Um, Yeah, literally. Yeah, literally a year ago in Arizona, um, Josh Cuthbert. So welcome, first of all, and thank you so much for carving out time of your crazy busy schedule to podcast with us. Again, we've been trying to do this for a year. year. (laughs) Well, uh, thanks for having me on. It's, It's a pleasure to be on, you know, be on here with you guys. And I look forward to chalking it up. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So just start to, you know, introduce yourself, um, what you do, obviously, uh, we will link out all of your websites and where people can find you, you know, at the end and everything, but, um, you know, you obviously train a lot of high level athletes and professional athletes. So kind of just want to hear a little bit of your backstory and how you got into what you're doing now. Yeah. So, um, Josh Cuthbert, she introduced me. I'm based out of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I've been training for nearly a decade, uh, much like a lot of people that kind of gear their priorities, not their priorities, but they, you know, their target population is athletes. They grew up playing sports, right? So I grew up uh, playing football, baseball, basketball, everything but soccer, um, you know, lettered in all kinds of sports, had the opportunity to choose between a couple different sports when it came time for a college scholarship. I chose football. Um, went to Louisiana Tech, played college football, Louisiana Tech, which is like a mid-major division one school, had a NFL tryout that didn't work out for a plethora of reasons, mostly being injury related, which we may or may not get kind of into that here in a little bit. Um, but I always chose athletes. I always knew I wanted to work with athletes. It's because I, I felt like I could relate with them, whether they were black, white, brown, green, purple, um, politics are never an issue. It's just, you know, we want to get better for the sport that we play. And that's really something that I can resonate with, even with myself. Like when I'm in the weight room, when I'm training, I want like I'm always training with a purpose. And when I'm training athletes, I always know what their purpose is, where I'd still train a ton of like general population. Like if I train just athletes, I wouldn't be as successful. But when I train general population, a lot of times they're they just want to work out. And I'm always trying to like drive it into them that we, like we have to train with intention. Like there's got to be a goal in mind at all times. And with athletes, there's never a question. Like I know what their goals are week one when we sit down and we talk about them. And I always, I always know the ultimate goal, which is, you know, a Super Bowl or NBA championship or World Series, whatever it is. And for me, that's always been a plus that I never have to question that. I know that they come to work and that's just it's golden for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think you brought up a really good point there about training with intention. A lot of times, you know, just in my experience, like at our gym, we'll have these conversations in our Facebook community. And obviously as we're coaching of like putting your phone down, like not having it out on the, you know, gym floor, like putting it on silent Mm -hmm. and like really being present and intentional with your movements. Right. Yeah. For us as a strength and conditioning gym, we see a lot of people who just try to go as fast as they can. And Mm -hmm. a large part of like coaching them to being intent with their movements. And then also like getting a a little bit heavier with their weights, right? Like if you're in, um, let's say, you know, clean and press and you're crushing 30 reps in a minute, like you need to be 
slowing yeah. things down and, you know, adding weight to this and being really intentional and even intentional with your breath work. I think, you know, for me, breath work has been really powerful, not just in my yeah. But also in that kind of like mental, like decompression and de-stressing that I get during my training. So I love that you brought that up because I think it's super, super important. Yeah, I agree. And I think a big thing that we always talk to people, especially with like trying to shift the mindset around training, people really struggle with the, I don't feel like it's a good enough workout because I'm not burning as many calories. Like yeah. my watch is telling me that I'm not, but like versus if they were to maybe go do a hit class or a spin uh-huh. class where they burn, you know, their watch is like 300 to 400 plus calories. When in a weightlifting session, you might not burn as many because, you know, no. for that session might not be getting as high. Um, but the overlying effect of like all the other things that happen when you build muscle mass, um, yeah. how it translates into body composition change and overall healthy, you know, metabolic change. Um, I think that's a hard thing for a lot of people to get over to is it's like, well, this gadget is telling me this wasn't as good of a workout. Um, when in reality, I'm sure, you know, we can all agree and we preach weightlifting is actually a much better workout, probably better in terms of longevity as well. Um, I mean, I think if we, it's all, it always comes back to, you know, body composition for 95% of our population. Right. But like tendon health, you know, joint health, all like the things that you don't see on the surface, typically that come from, from lifting weights and especially lifting them through a full range of motion and, you know, having, you know, different, very variating your, your tempos and, you know, whatever. Um, and then just the fact that a pound of muscle is anywhere, depending on person, 15 to 20 extra calories a day. Right. So if you, if you take that into an equation, 365 days out of the year, when most of your population probably only trains two or three, that's a huge difference. Like that's like saying, I only burned 400 calories in my workout, although they don't know how many calories they're eating in the day. So who cares? Like 90% of our people, they don't know what they're consuming. So who cares what your Apple watch is telling you, right? (laughs) Um, It it just, you know, the, the mindset that we've, you know, it's kind of been created around a lot of the boot, like the boot camp classes and the orange theories. And I don't have a problem with any of those things in moderation, but it's just, it's created this false sense of, you know, caloric expenditure when it's as far from the truth as possible. Like most Apple watches in particular, are plus or minus 20 to 30%, yep. which if you tell me 20 or 30% on my, my calorie intake, I'm, I'm screwed. Like yeah. I have no idea, like, you know, um, and I think that's just such a huge misconception I, you know, I'll have people that shit, I didn't start my watch. Like the workout doesn't count. And I'm like, <laughs> if, Without like, without the neat concept of the steps that you get from that thing, I would honestly rather people just not even have it I know. because it like, they're spending way too much time worried about it, like a whoop or like an aura ring, things of that nature that are a little bit more performance driven. I think those give me a little bit better data real time, or even a, like a, uh, like a polar heart rate monitor, like in a big setting where I can see where everybody's at. Yeah. Um, but an Apple watch, it's just. You know, I know, you know, and I think it also drives unhealthy habits in terms of like when you should probably be having a rest day because you've trained yeah. hard two to three days in a row and mm-hmm. your Apple watch is like, you know, get to your activity goal, get to your yeah. exercise. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I know better. And so I use it more for, you know, just tracking personally steps. And then I like to yeah. see my heart rate stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But for most people, it's this driving of like, I need to do more. I need to, I, I, I don't earn, I didn't earn my food for the day because I didn't do my, you know, do my movement for the day. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we'll get to rest days in a minute, but I'd love to talk a little bit in your sense around 
you know, a lot of people do these, you know, orange theory classes Mm -hmm. and classes or cardio classes, spin classes, because they believe it's the best thing for them to get to their aesthetic goals. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. burning those calories. I don't want to get bulky. Like we talk about that a lot and dear God, I hope that this has been, you know, kind of realize that you will not get bulky from lifting weights. I think it's extremely almost disrespectful to the people that yeah. work really hard to get bulky um, mm-hmm. and how much hard work it actually is. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, tra- actually training like an athlete to build aesthetics um, yeah. because, you know, I think a lot of us see these athletes and like, they look phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's not just because they're an athlete. I mean, sure. Genetics play a role, but the, the form of training that you're doing um, you don't have to be an athlete to train like an athlete and why absolutely not that idea for your goals that you have. I think, uh, I always kind of take this analogy and I bring it, people always ask questions like how many miles a day should I be running or a week or whatever it is. And if their goal, if their goal is aesthetics, definitely, if your goal is to increase your aerobic capacity, then maybe we can have a different conversation. But if you look at the greatest sprinters in the entire world, every single one, male, female, absolutely shredded. They clean, they squat, they swing, they they push, pull, hinge, carry, lunge, right? You look at all the marathon runners in the world and they look awful. One, they look like they're about to fall over dead. And the ones that do maintain some fat, they're they're like the biggest definition of skinny fat that you'll ever see. So Mm -hmm. why people choose to run themselves into the ground when the end goal of the person that they're chasing has a body aesthetic that is so far from what they want versus person B who's a sprinter who works hard, does compound movements in and out in an hour, but trains hard, like trains hard, trains heavy. You, you can find videos of Usain Bolt squatting over 500 pounds. So do six foot seven and squats over 500 pounds. Makes him explosive. Looks like a Greek God also. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just, it's a, it's a misconception obviously around, you know, what needs to be done to get lean. I think all those things, the orange theories, the Pelotons, I had a pretty elaborate answer from a colleague that asked about a Peloton and I went kind of down a road. Like if you, if your goal is overall aesthetics, then you can use this as a small, a small tool. But if you're somebody that's coming off the couch and you see the ad for Peloton and you think you're just going to purchase a Peloton and a year later, you're just going to be shredded. Chances are that Peloton is going to become a clothes rack and you're going to be out $2,500 and you're going to be less likely to exercise the next year because you tried to take up a variation that was some market trend. And that's also why their uh, IPO is through the roof right now. Like they, they have very, very good marketing, but even if you follow their instructors, Jess King, um, Jacqueline, I can't remember her name, but I'll use Jess for an example. They, she freaking, she lifts all the time. She lifts five times a week. Now she probably does, you know, 10 Peloton classes a week too, but her, her training sessions are hard. Like she is getting after it. She back squats 200 plus pounds, all the things that are necessary to look the way she does. She's doing it. Naturally, she promotes Peloton more, but you know, I know what she does behind the scenes. Um, and I just, I wish that would come to light for more people besides what they, you know, see on the surface level. Well, I think of Instagram, Instagram influencers that are like, do my 10 minute booty workout with this band Mm -hmm. and look like me. I'm like, okay, bitch, you've been squatting. And I, I know you've been squatting heavy. No one looks like that doing a 10 minute booty band workout. Okay. Like it is just, it's, it's so flawed with what social media portrays versus what's reality. 
And then I think, you know, it, it can be scary for people, especially people that maybe deal with like, you know, injuries and stuff like that. But yeah. I think it's also should be noted. I think injuries come from two things. One inactivity, um, mm-hmm. obviously not having like a lot of people come, are like, well, I have back issues. So it's hard for me to work out. Like mm-hmm. I would assume that your back issues probably came because you're not strong enough in your core, yes. your glutes and your hamstrings to support your back, mm-hmm. or you have tight hip flexors and now your back's, you know, blown up from it. Or so you tried to go zero to 60 from yep. the couch to everything. And yeah. Yeah. But I think there's also a lot of, you know, misunderstanding of these orange theory classes that are people going seven days a week, high intensity every day, never giving their body a break. So like, can you explain a little bit, you know, how you look at training with different seasons for your athletes, which I think correlates to people in terms of like seasons of life, high stress, you know, whatever. Very, very good point. I mean, uh, for even for my athletes, like we, we will kind of circle back to Jason a little bit here and like just where they want to be throughout the season. Right. So right now, all of my athletes, so I'm programming for five of my NFL athletes, like currently in season, I have, I've decreased volume a ton, right. Cause they are getting destroyed during the season. Right. So that would be the last, that's the first thing. Like right now, longevity is their number one uh, longevity and performance is kind of where they're trying to live. Like they're not worried about performance in the weight room, but they still want to perform on the field. Right. So we can help them out a little bit there, but also in order to stay healthy, we are still lifting because we are having to fight off external forces every single day in that sport or in life. Like you're fighting off external forces, whether you know it or not. So lifting can help you prevent injury, um, decrease in volume and a slight uptick depending on the movement and intensity. So in season, I want to see them hit 90% fairly frequently, but for like one, just one time, like I want you to maintain your strength through that full range of motion, but just give it to me once. And then we'll have some back off unilateral stuff and then kind of get you out the door. Um, For individuals, I feel like general population should have the same mindset. If you're, if your goal is revolving hamster wheel of trying to get lean, then, you know, maybe, maybe there's a problem, right? Like I think Beck, I think you're kind of in a strength phase right now and you're, you know, taking that very seriously. It's such a necessary component of training to take your time in this strength phase and give it, give it time, right? You know, 16, 24 weeks, whatever it is. That way you have, you've built the base for your next season, which might be, you know, your in season or your prep phase for aesthetics. If that's your goal and you're not spending any time in a surplus, you're so, you're so screwed. Um, and my athletes take it the same way. Like as soon as they get back in February, we are absolutely smashing food. Like we are in off season mode. We are trying to build for at least they, they don't, I don't have as much time with them, but I'll get a solid 12 weeks of that. Um, last year was a little bit different because they didn't have OTAs like right in the middle of, you know, a block that I have. So we were able to extend that out to like 20 weeks. Um, but even those guys like calorie counting, worrying about how they look, it goes by the wayside. Like for three months out of the year, we are worried about getting bigger and we're worried about getting stronger. And yep. then we taper in, into something else. And I think, it's another, just another misconception of I'll ask somebody, when's the last time that you weren't dieting slash trying to get lean? Yep. And if you ask a room full of 10 people that you see in a gym, probably 10 of them would say they can't remember when, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Like for years they've been in this cycle, right? With, and none of it's working. They're still gaining weight, you know, whether slow or fast, 
they might as well get into a strength cycle anyways because they're already gaining weight. At least they put on some muscle, right? I know. Or just work with a nutrition coach to increase their yeah. calories so they can yeah. have adequate fuel, right? I think it's, yeah. it's really interesting. Obviously, we come from the same background of like nutrition coaching and talking about kind of mm-hmm. periodization and seasons of dieting. And one of the things that like I always kind of reiterate to some of the women that we coach is like, you have to understand that if you're wanting to come out of maintenance and go into a cut phase for fat loss, right? We're working on a specific goal here. You may not be performing at your highest level. You may feel a little bit weaker in the gym. You may feel a little bit tired or like recovery isn't as strong. And so again, like that's where I recommend to them, you back down on your intensity, you might focus a little bit more on, you know, kind of hitting steps, right? Whatever. Yeah. 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 And then just maintaining your strength hundred percent, what you said, like one rep at 85, 90%. And then when yeah. we're ready to come out of that phase, we can eat more. We can then go back and focus on building again. We always say like, you got to build the body that you yep. want, right? Like you yeah. can just lose weight and it's automatically there. Yeah. Like- I mean, I had a, I have a lady coming off COVID and she's, you know, blah, blah, blah. She feels weak, you know, wants to get stronger, but again, she's, you know, back to like, what do you think my calories need to be so that I can, you know, lose some fat? And I, oh my God. Um, if you, and I, I told her, I was like, listen, if you, if you truly feel it's been months since I've seen her, I said, if you truly feel like you've lost this amount of muscle and we do get into a deficit and you lose 10 pounds, you will be so much more disappointed in the way that you look in the mirror after losing 10 pounds now, than if you just give me 12 weeks to put some back on and then we'll lose 10 pounds. Yep. Um, I think I it's just I'm with people that don't like, I, I personally am the type of person I don't lose weight. I yeah. change my body composition. Body. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have been like, I posted, I've been on a strength cycle for a little while and you know, the main, I've had more rest days because to be honest, the strength cycle has been kicking my ass. And, yeah. you know, so I'm doing like three days of lifting one or two days of maybe like some accessory work and then two days of resting. And I've been eating probably about, you know, 2,200, 2,000 to 2,200 calories most days, if not more. And I haven't lost a pound, but my body's changed drastically. Yeah. And people don't understand like, well, the scale hasn't moved. I'm like, well, have you, have you taken pictures? Because you're yeah. 20 pounds more on your back squat. So I know you're getting stronger. Like, yeah. um, yes. you know, there's so many other things that are need to be evaluated other than weight. And like to Liz's point, you have to build the body. Like people that don't understand in terms of like physique competitors, it's an extreme example, but if a physique competitor is 120 pounds and wants to step on stage and doesn't have a ton of muscle, She's probably going to go up to 135, 140 and put on yep. fat and a ton of muscle yep. and then shred back down and look way different. And yep. like, that's an extreme example, but that is how the body works. The body isn't people, are, the, the, I want to lose fat and gain muscle. That's what yep. I, right. That's, that's the that's tail. That's, that's what everyone wants to do. But if you have any type of training age to you, that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Not very yep. well. I mean, so, we, we talk so much about the strength cycle, but all things considered, regardless of your goals is pretty much where you need to be living your life. Anyways, you yep. need to be lifting heavy, you know, low to moderately high reps at most, you know, mm-hmm. time under tension, but at intensity, that's, that's great. Right. Like if you're, if you're in a deficit and you want to maintain your muscle and maintain your strength, there's only one way to do it. And that's to lift as heavy as you yep. possibly can without, yep. you know, feeling bad about yourself, you know, because of the deficit. And then obviously if you're trying to get stronger, then you, you know, you got to keep your, your reps at an appropriate range, you know, with intensity. But, um, we were talking about, you just brought up physique competitors. You'll take like a UFC fighter, like Luke, 
I mean, he weighed in at 156 seven days before he had to be at 135. And he looked pretty, he looked pretty good. Right. But you know, Jay, you know, increases water, they water loaded, they cut it, bam, 134.2. In six days, he lost 22 pounds and he was absolutely shredded. 24 hours later, he fought at 154. Like if people could understand like the manipulations of the body, it's not so much less than water and fat or uh, muscle and fat. Like that's, that's all people are seeing when they step on the scale every single day, they didn't sleep. Therefore you didn't sleep. Therefore your body held more water. Mm-hmm. gallon of water is eight and a half pounds right like or whatever it is it's a lot and they're like oh i drank a ton yesterday and now i'm up five pounds what am i doing wrong and i'm like nothing quit, quit worrying about the damn scale you just squatted 405 for five you're good yeah Still. we always tell our clients like take pictures take body composition measurements yeah. right and focus on your strength and we'll watch your body composition change the scale mm-hmm. can honestly be part of the equation or we can just leave it behind and for most yeah. of our clients we leave it behind because Again, they don't understand as much as we tell them, right? Um, all of the things that go into that number on the scale and all the weight fluctuations. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think for us, it's really empowering to see clients as they kind of go through the process that they are strength training, change their entire physique and, you know, how they show up for themselves. Because as I talk about a lot of times, it's like you can do hard things and lifting heavy is one of the most empowering things, mm-hmm. like build that confidence. So we also wanted to kind of touch on, um, how do you change training based upon age? Cause we get asked a lot, you know, from mm-hmm. our clients that are kind of in menopause, um, you know, what about, you know, my cardiovascular health and all of these things. And generally my response to them is, go ahead and do those, you know, 15 zerchers and tell me you're not breathing heavy, yeah. you know, yeah. when you get done, but you know, how do you change training based upon age or what kind of tips would you have for kind of that population? I think for me, and I, I've probably referenced this before on a different show. Um, my principles and my methods pretty much stay the same. Like strength is, is my number one goal for anybody. And I had a conversation with a woman this morning who bought some sessions for her mom. Like, she has a hard time getting around the house. So for her strength, again, is still the number one asset that I'm trying to achieve. And that goal is getting off of the couch without using her hands. Right. So my main movement pattern is still going to be a squat where it might be a zercher or a front squat or a banded back squat, whatever it is for an elite athlete. And I'm going to start her with the TRX until I can see her do it, you know, more accordingly. I'm still going to triple extend her in whether it's like a band pull through with a little bit of move to it or, you know, a light kettlebell swing. I'm still going to get her into hip extension. We're still going to do glute bridges. The load is going to be completely different. Like I'm not going to do it on a single leg with her yet. So my principles, they stay the same. I'm going to, I'm going to split squatter. It's probably not going to be a Bulgarian, you know, with a double front rack, right? I hate Bulgarians. They are my least least favorite. I think I answered that was probably my first, my favorite leg exercise in a question box I did yesterday. But anyways, so I'm still gonna, I'm like, it might be a TRX assisted split squat. Like I still want to hammer away these same movement patterns. I still want to take the joints through a range of motion. I'm still going to do twice as many upper body pulls as I do pushes with her. Um, It doesn't, it changes, but just the modality of the movement. So if you take the highest level being like a power clean and then for her, she might just do a dumbbell high pull you know, a single dumbbell high pull, whatever it is, just so that she's still moving because for her movement, one is the number one thing that she can do, but getting her stronger is my number one priority. And I I take that same approach with everybody. 
um, you know, YouTube and Facebook influencers that I have, like, you know, singers, songwriters, like, I think that's what they enjoy so much is they might see me doing something with my NFL group and then I'll demonstrate and they're like, Hey, that's, that's kind of like what they were doing. Right. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is, you know, it's, it's for you, you know, it's different. It's, it's your variation, but yeah, it's the same thing. Like the goal is still the same. It's to get more explosive in this movement or to increase this movement pattern. And I just implement it in a different way for them. Yeah. Absolutely. I love it. So the last thing I kind of want to ask about, because some of our, some of our listeners definitely, and this is something that I struggled with a really long time about rest days. Um, yeah. you know, especially when people are trying to lose weight or they get, I think like, a, you know, there's a small addiction aspect to it, to exercise and the feeling. Some of our clients struggle with like, I don't feel good on days. I don't exercise. Uh-huh. Um, and so what can you give us, you know, a little bit more of like the physiological and, you know, scientific background behind why they are so important for results. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, you think about it in like a simple term, like stress by recovery equals adaptation, right? Stress by stress, by stress, by stress, without allowing for that recovery, you will not get adaptation. Not only will you not get adaptation, you're going to get degradation. Like you are going to get worse by physically not resting from, and y'all, y'all probably talk about this metabolic prehab from a hormonal standpoint, you don't produce the hormones, even with, if you take a rest day and your, your quality of sleep is down, mm-hmm. your cortisol is going to be through the roof. Like that yep. is one of the number one hormones that we need to, you know, try to control, whether it's aesthetics or performance, like we need to know where we're at on that. And if you're not sleeping, if you're not resting, if you're not doing the parasympathetic things that need to occur, you know, lay down on the ground with your feet elevated in the air, work on the breathing that Liz talked about earlier, you know, get out in nature, go fishing. Don't go fishing. If you're competitive and you can't freaking catch anything, cause then it becomes a stressor, <laughs> but, you know, go on a light walk with your family. Like the things that you find enjoyable besides like hard exercise, if you find that enjoyable, don't do that on your rest day. But if you find other, other light activities that are enjoyable to you, it is going to help you recover that much more. Like I'm a big fan of active recovery, active, not being hiking freaking camelback in Scottsdale. Cause that about crushed me. So there was nothing active recovery about that on a Sunday. Like, Oh my God, died. we were in Sedona and my husband and I did a hike. And of course we're both like, we're fit, you know, like yeah. we're totally uh-huh. fit. we did a hike that was 6.8 mile round trip and yeah. 4,700 elevation gain. I have never been so sore in my life. And we were, of course, like having wine that night. I uh-huh. left, we left that place because we didn't also didn't have enough water. I mm-hmm. literally think I almost died on the way to CVS. I was like being really quiet. And Nick was like, are you okay? I, like, I am just trying to hold it together because I am so thirsty and dehydrated right now. I don't know if I'm going to make it the next 10 minutes. Like yeah. <laughs> so bad. And I, I totally am with you with hiking because it's a different, if you think about it, I was thinking about it. I was like, I probably did 30,000 step-ups just now, mm-hmm. like in yep. a row. And it's just, it's insane. And so again, you have to have that recovery. You have to have yep. you know, not so that, active recovery. Like yeah. a 5k is active recovery. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I totally get it. And the CrossFit world, believe me, people don't know what active recovery is. They yeah, have a very cute idea. It's go, go, go. But yeah, that hiking, it that turned into a, a new stimulus. So that was, that was far from, from recovery day. I was, I was pretty sore. Lots of different angles. That's the other thing people don't think about is like, you're Mm -hmm. putting your body in a completely different. Yeah. I mean, my hips, like I was climbing from rock to rock and I was in like extreme hip flexion, like not an area that I get into, you know, periodically, Mm -hmm. like it was forced mobility. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it was good. It was, it was, it was good activity 
but that's what it was. It it certainly wasn't a recovery modality. Um, There's a lot of things out there now too, that are at our exposure, but I think the number one thing, it comes down to sleep and and fueling adequately. Like if, if you, if you need to recover, you got to eat according to your goals one and you have to sleep, you know, you, you can go do your red light therapy. You can go to cryo, you can foam roll, you can stretch, you can do all those things. And they're all, they're great tools, Sure. but they fall way below like light years below what you're eating, what you're, and you're sleeping. I mean, it's not even, not even in the same ballpark. So I think, I think people look too much into, I got to make sure I get to cryo today when I'm like, you got to make sure you get your carbs in today. Mm-hmm. And then if you have time for cryo after you take a nap, then you can go do cryo. Yep. Um, but again, it's, it's marketing, right? Like, totally. you know, even athletes have kind of fallen into, you know, it's just part of their, their routine. And a lot of times we forget about eating. And somebody asked me this yesterday, like, what's the, the single biggest um, thing that I've, uh, that I've done to help my athletes with nutrition and across the board, it was increased carbs from running backs all the way to offensive linemen. Like, mm-hmm. especially the offensive linemen who, you know, they've been big boys. They've been the hogs for quite a while, right? Um, carbs has never been their friend. Like, they, they still wanted to get laid in college, so they weren't worried about, you know, <laughs> e- eating carbs, right? They still wanted to look as good as they can yeah. while still moving other bodies out of the way. But now, mm-hmm. you know, they're making millions of dollars, you know, whatever. So now I can get them to eat carbs, ingest <laughs> them, you know, glycogen yeah. or whatever. But, um, yeah, I think it's – that's another one, you know, we could go down a whole road on, on carbohydrates and their importance, but well, you know, your audience also, needs to eat them. Yeah. I think also people need to understand, like if someone's working to perform for like the triangle, you know, if your goal yeah. is performance, your goal should not always also be being That's shredded. Nice. Like yeah. they don't coincide. You have to have no. body fat to be able to recover properly. You have to, you know, your goal is to perform at the highest level and that requires and a certain amount of body fat. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, LeBron James is a pretty good example. I mean, he's one of the best athletes I've ever seen and he looks pretty good, but he's far from shredded. Like he is so far from shredded. It's not even funny. And Oh yeah. He he, at 37, 38 years old, he's performing higher than most 18 year olds Mm -hmm. at about 10% body fat. Good for him. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I think it's crazy too, when people really start to embrace the journey and incorporate carbs, how mm-hmm. impressive their training becomes because yep. they're like, Oh my gosh, I have completely like crushed it in the gym. I feel so much energy in the gym. My recovery is great. I'm not sore. And sometimes not all the time, sometimes just increasing calories overall, specifically from carbohydrates and focusing on performance brings mm-hmm. that aesthetic look because the body is like, okay, awesome. Well, I have the fuel, yeah. right? Yeah. Not stress. You see kind of like, you see a lot of people, I'm sure that you see look like kind of flat, like yeah. they lift and they work out, but they just look flat. There's like a layer of fluffiness to them. Mm-hmm. And then you increase carbs, you increase calories. The body can recover better. It cannot be so stressed. And now they start looking like, now your they're muscles left. are pocket. You're pocket. Yeah. Like, well, they're full, right? They're, they're full, full of glycogen. Full of like glycogen, they should be. Full of, you know, they're, they're popping. And so- yeah. It's, it's hard to get people to believe. Um, we see it all the time, you know, with transformations and stuff like that. And I'm sure you see it with your athletes, but yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's going against the silly societal, you know, standards of what dieting and exercise should be like to look a certain mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I appreciate you, uh, you coming on and speaking yeah. some truth to our listeners yeah. around lifting, um, and around training. And, you know, I, I think, you don't get much better than someone that works with the best of the best in performance and, you know, in aesthetics. So we appreciate your insight in it. Yeah. I appreciate you guys. 
So before we hop off, Josh, if you yep. can just tell everybody, you know, like, I know you've got a program, I think it's like an at home or things that they can follow. So yep. where can they find yep. that? And then where can they like connect with you on social? Uh, social is probably best via Instagram. It's Josh underscore alpha strength. Um, yeah. And then do, 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 I'm becoming more active on Twitter. Uh, Coach, Cuth- Coach Cuthbert 51. I like to get in some Twitter wars with some, some of the Z lots on uh, Love it. keto and whatnot. Um, so <laughs> if anybody wants to add me, like I'm always good on there. Um, and then, yeah, I have a website. It's uh, alphapowerprogram.com if you're looking for some different stuff. And I've got some other programs linked to that as well now. So awesome. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Well, Great. thank you so much, sir. We will let you know when this goes live and we will um, you know, of course, link out all of your contact information in the show notes so that they can connect with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for spending your time with us. We are honored to be able to help educate you and improve your life. If you've enjoyed this, please take a screenshot, share it on Instagram and tag us at lsn.coach and leave us a five-star reading and review on iTunes as this helps us grow and reach others. So if you have any questions, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email and we will talk to you soon. Have a great day.